Jessica. And I'm Rico. And this is ATC Presents Deba K Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. Rico, how are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, yeah. We have a new show we're talking about. Yes, we uh, do. But outside of that, uh, no, I've been I've been great. I I cannot complain. Uh, right. And as these shows, as we watch more shows, the better they have been. Like oh. it, it's on an upward trajectory for me. I got you. So okay. <laughs> so I'm I'm excited to talk about this one. This me one, too. Yeah. Me too. Um, all right. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so many more. And if you like us, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes such a long way for other listeners to join in on fun. And come check us out on social media so you can stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and support the show. Uh, you'll find it under our umbrella podcast, which is patreon.com slash always critic pod. Nice. So now that some housekeeping is out of the way, we can get going on our review of Signal, which is a 2016 show. Um, Rico, I'll go ahead and read this synopsis actually because it's kind of long. Um, and I felt bad you reading it last time <laughs> so, from AsianWiki.com. The synopsis reads, Hey, young works as a criminal profiler and is also a police lieutenant. Even though he is a cop, he doesn't trust cops due to his own past experience. Back in 2000, when Hey, young was in elementary school, his classmate, Yoon Jung was kidnapped and later found dead. Hey, young saw a woman taking Yoon Jung from school that day, but the police announced that the suspect was a man. Young even went to the police station and told the police officers that he saw the kidnapper and she was a woman. The police officers, though, didn't pay attention to him. The killer was never caught and her case remains unsolved to this day while leaving the police station in present day, which is 2015 in the timeline of a show. Um, Young hears someone talking to him. He looks around to find a walkie-talkie. The man who is talking to Young is Detective Jehan. The detective, though, is from the year 2000, and he is investigating the disappearance of Young's elementary school classmate. Young and Detective Jehan begin to communicate via the walkie-talkie. Yes. So that is pretty much the episode one of the show. Yes. And um, this originally aired from January to March 2016. It is 16 episodes long. Um, yeah. So this... You got through this, right, Rico? Yes, I I got through okay. this one. Yes, <laughs> we we make sure we get through the shows now because um, because back of the in first episode one. one, yes, we covered Boys Over Flowers, and Rico got nineteen out of twenty five episodes <laughs> and didn't finish the show, but that's okay. Signal is directed by Kim Won Suk. He directed Sung Kyung Kwan. Scandal from 2010 and My Mister from 2018, which is an, a show with IU. I don't know if you guys have seen that on Netflix. It's been in my queue for forever. Haven't gotten around to watching it. And he also directed Arthal Chronicles, which is a Netflix show, K-drama as well from 2019. That one stars our boy Sung Joon Ki from Descendants of the Sun, Rico. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> and Arthal Chronicles is awful. Um, there's, <laughs> I, I wrote a... <laughs> a review on it um and it's up on the po- on the blog if you guys want to read it but anyway this was also i'm gonna go ahead and say who the writer is 
for Signal. So it was yeah. written by Kim Uni. Um, and she wrote both seasons of Kingdom, which is a really big zombie show also on Netflix, but it's K-drama. Um, I think there's like two seasons of it. So really... That's rare. That's rare. Yeah. Um, so the Signal show stars uh, Lee Jae-un, who's Park, he plays Park Hae-young. Um, Kim Hae-soo plays Cha Soo-hyun. And Chu Cho Jing-wung plays uh, Lee Jae-an. Exactly. Those are basically the three. Those are the three that you follow throughout the show. That is correct. Yes. And I, this sucks because like we're not, I'm trying not to repeat actors, but I have seen um, Jaehoon in Tomorrow With You, which is another K-drama that you can watch on Netflix if you want to. It's not a Netflix original, but it is up on there. Yeah. Highly recommend that show. It is a time travel show as well. Mm. Or he's a time traveler, I should he's say. He's a time traveler. Yes. Which is ironic because Signal has to do with time as well. Um, Rico, now that we have all that out of the way, we know the cast, we know the director, the lineage. What did you think of Signal? So this is my third K-drama I've ever watched. Yes. And it is the best out of the three that I've seen. Oh. Yes. I love the concept. Okay. All right. I am a big fan of this concept of using technology to communicate with the past, to try to change the past. Yeah, which yeah. I think is such a brave concept for a show to take on because you can mess that up in so many different ways. Yes. And this show like is able to maintain a balancing act of you don't don't go too wild with the concept because if not then you start altering way too much, you know? Right. So here it's just about we're solving the cold cases we couldn't solve in the past. And mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed this. Uh, yeah. Another uh, thing that really helped was that the three leads are very enjoyable to watch. They have I think pretty they're compelling. good. They're compelling. They have good chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. So, real quick, I do want to say, speaking about the cast, uh, Cha Soo Hyung. These are the character names: Cha Soo Hyung and Lee Jan. Those two are. Together, pretty much, they're they're they work together, but there's feelings um, between the two that yeah. I didn't quite buy their like love interest that they were trying to set up between the two characters. Okay, that's fair. I didn't quite I buy it, but yes. With that said, I did like their chemistry of how they would work together on cases, or you know, back in the past, they would show them, you know. trying to work together and stuff like that. So I didn't, that was good. I really enjoyed uh, Park Hyung. I think he, yeah, I think he is a great lead. I think that he is a captivating hero. I think the fact that he, the way he's written that he will stop at nothing to make sure that whatever case they're trying to solve is solved, I think is very well done by the writers. Great job by them. Um, so throughout, I found myself really enjoying the pace. Um, this show did leave me wanting more. We'll get to that. And we'll the get ending. we'll get to okay. that uh, because that I found interesting because of the way I've been told and I, I interpret what K dramas are. 
uh-huh. they're self-contained one season shows and the yes. way this show ends does not make it feel like it's going to be a one season show. <laughs> right. So uh, one of the things that I would say that maybe wasn't as much of a fan of would be there's there's too many cases to solve throughout its 16 episode run. Yes. Um, that this had, I want to say like seven or eight cases that they are trying to solve and a few of them are intertwined with each other. And so they kind of mesh into one yeah. and it gets sort of dicey with the ins and outs of the case because you're like, oh, this person was a rapist, but he's also doing this and he's covering up for this. Right. And it's like all of this. All these machinations yeah, the, are quite complex. Yeah, they are. Like for for what it is. Like I thought, oh, it's going to be more episodic. And once one case ends, another one starts. But in the beginning, it kind of was like that. And then it get, went away from that. And it's like, okay, everything is connected. And it's kind of leading up to um, this mystery that throughout the show, you're like, what happened to this one character? Which kind of threw me off a bit because of the fact that um, – if you watch any type of show that has like a mystery element to it or crime solving, if you're watching network TV in the United States, usually it's like one case a week and they solve it by the end of the episode. Yeah. And, but they don't have anything to do with each other until the very end of the season where they usually set up like a three episode arc for something. Right. Um, yeah. But then there's other shows like, I think the best example I could give is, like, The Killing. That was on AMC. Oh, and wow, that yeah. was a one-season, one-case trying to solve. And sure, there were, like, things that they had to pick apart throughout the season in a 10-episode arc. But mm-hmm. it's one case. Here, it was multiple cases. It was kind of throwing me off, like, is this going to be important? Is this going to, you know, lead to the end game of this show? And yes. I kind of lost a bit of track between the middle cases yeah. there. I would agree there is um, it doubles back on yeah. itself with the cases and you're tra- you're keeping up in both present day and in mm-hmm. the past. And it it just gets a little get a little bit confusing. I'm not saying it's like, oh, my God, a totally unruly. I didn't no. get the thread. No, it, it's good in the moment. But like now we're a little bit removed from the show and we're like, wait, like, I have notes here, and I'm like, what case is this? Like, I'm trying my best to Yeah, recall. in what order did this moment yeah. fall in this case? Which case was it? Yeah. Yes, and it's a little bit hazy and difficult to do that. So that's the, probably one of the only drawbacks. I do want to come back to um, Lee Jae-un, who plays Park Young. He's very, very good in the show. <laughs> I mean, a really great um, hero, like you said. I think that... There's something about a really righteous mm-hmm. character. And you think that Park Young is like super righteous the whole right. time. And he is. But so is E. Jan, who is in the past, who he's communicating with yes. on the walkie-talkie. And he's like unassailable, extremely good-natured and good-willed. And so um, has such a great moral compass. Yeah. And that's like what draws you into these three characters because... There's this massive concept that they're playing with throughout the whole show that the police force is essentially corrupt. Exactly. 
pretty much everyone. You know, just like a just like a Batman movie, which there is a huge Batman reference throughout oh the whole God, show that's as well. So funny. <laughs> yeah. Um and so I really enjoyed that. Um I have to say that here in the States, we especially recent in recent years, there's been so much animosity between the general populace civilians and like the police force because of racial tensions and yeah. all that stuff. And in Korea, there is no racial tensions. What they have is classism. Yes. Okay. And so this show is working that into basically almost every crime is there's sen- there's sense of someone has the resources and the money and the reputation to make this go away. Yeah. Yeah. And they have people on their payroll in the police department. Exactly. So they're working against this like um, system. It's systemic over there. And they're working within this. And it's like three people against the world. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> and tough so for them. It's tough. And it makes every case really interesting to see how they get around it. If they get the the person... Um, if they manage to get him in the past and then there's nothing to do with the future, but it changes something. And it's quite interesting to see how they battle this, you know, classism essentially. Right now. Uh, one thing I will say about the mechanic of going back and forth between the past and the future. Uh, I didn't have too much of a problem with like making sure knowing that, Oh, we're watching something from the past. We're watching something from the future because the characters are different. Um, but for, I guess, maybe for a person who would have a hard time, I think a mechanism that could have been used is maybe the color grading could have been slightly different for the timelines. Right. That way. They didn't do a lot of visual cues to make you think, oh, I'm looking at the right. past right now. Or, oh, I'm definitely in the present right now. Like Little Women from, what, 2019 yeah. does that? The warmer uh, colors are in lot. the past <laughs> and then the harsher colors are in the future. Right. So they didn't do that. And I kind of appreciated that because the world, the at least Ejeon is always very optimistic. And he's like, it must be different in your yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. Like this stuff doesn't happen in your time. And at no point does Park Young go, sorry, like it's pretty shitty here too. Like in 2015. Right, he, exactly. He doesn't lead he on. He never does. That it's no. bad or sometimes even he's worse. He's just silent, changes the subject. And it, it's quite interesting because there's no reason to make the world any more appealing or look any different when it's essentially the exactly. Same. Uh, yes. So now something that uh, you did some homework on. Apparently, uh, the criminal case that's depicted in the show uh, was inspired by a true incident that occurred in Hwasyong. Hwasyong. Uh, the the <laughs> Jeonji province of South Korea. Did I say that? Here, I'll, I'll take you, a you take I'll it. take a crack at it. Um, this case was took took place in Hwasong, Gyeonggi province, South Korea. Um, over the course of six years, from 1986 to 1991, ten women were raped and murdered within a two-kilometer radius, ranging from a 71-year-old grandmother to a 13-year-old schoolgirl. Mm. So, the the Hwasong serial murder case that they talk about and deal with in the show is based on that. right? And this is, I mean, we're not Korean. We don't know the significance of this. It could be as big as like, you know, Ted Bundy over here. Jack the Ripper. um, Where everyone, Jack the Ripper, things that people like just know off the top of their head. They mention that all the time in the show. They're like, every cop knows this case. 
Like it's, it's public, public knowledge. knowledge. It's, you know, infamous. And um, it's so infamous over there that they've done multiple, you know, properties on this. It's like yeah. IP. Memories it's of IP. Murder from 2003. <laughs> yeah, they did a movie on it. They did obviously Signal from 2016. They did another show called Sig- uh, Tunnel mm-hmm. in 2017 that debuted on OCN. Um yeah, it, Tunnel is actually another time. <laughs> I read the synopsis of Tunnel. It's actually on Netflix if you want to see it. Um, and that one has to do with a tunnel. So a detective goes through a tunnel, ends up in present day. Ah. And in the middle of this, it, it's in the middle okay. of this case. Gotcha. So it's very similar concept to Signal in, as far as past and present collide. So something that I kept thinking about throughout this show was yeah. I can imagine the like an American version of this show and then and then of course them fucking it up. Um oh, yeah. but like I for some Absolutely. reason I kept thinking, huh, I wonder if like some American company is like looking at this and thinking, huh, this is a clever idea. And then, you know, ripping it <laughs> off. Because if American companies, and I mean that by entertainment companies, are known for anything. It is taking a good show from an international production and making a <laughs> crappier version of it. So, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I to to tell you my opinion on the show, like I absolutely did mm-hmm. like it. It was really good. Um, I was engaged throughout. It didn't feel like there were any dipping points in the show where they were spinning their no. wheels or they had trouble with the plot and they couldn't quite figure out how they were going to dig themselves out of a hole or something like that. It never happened. It seemed like they knew where it was going to end yes. the whole time, which is so positive. Um, I would say that it reminded me a lot of like Looper or um, The Call, which is another Korean thriller movie that actually ended up on like a top 10 list that we did on Always a Critic podcast, our main podcast. Um, that You can watch that on Netflix as well. Um, Il Mar slash The Lake House, that oh. movie where he past and present yeah. collide, but it's at a lake house. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the concept of um, the future can reset the past. Yes. I really enjoyed that. Really like that concept. And Jumanji, one of my favorite movies, has that same concept as well. They finish the game to resets the yes. past. Or resets the future, however you want to look at it. So it's um, it was very enjoyable. And I don't want to say enjoyable like, oh, I had so much fun. I was laughing. Like, no. It was a very serious show. The tone was very serious. Stakes were extremely high throughout, which is good. Yes. You want that. <laughs> um, but... Um, I would say that if you are more of like a romance person and not so much of like a police procedural action, um, heavy handed drama action to a certain degree, uh, true crime, then I, this is not. No, the show it's not. For you. This is <laughs> clearly geared towards uh, fans of mysteries and thrillers mm-hmm. and uh, po- like you said, police procedurals. Yes, for sure. For sure. So what did you give it before we go into spoilers? What Out of score? five, correct? Out of Out five, five, I yeah. gave it a three and a half. Out of five. Okay. I think I would give it four, four out, of five. out of five. Which is quite high. If you've read the Debak blog, then you know that it's very rare for me to give a four out yes. of five score on a show. Um, or even on a movie, if you've listened to Always true. the Critic. This is a very, very... 
Very good show. Um, I would say probably the ending, which we'll talk about now, is the only reason why maybe I was like, uh, and some of the details get lost as soon as you stop watching the show, which is also probably why it's four out of five, right. not five out of five. Um, and that's about it. So you got anything else before, before we, we jump, jump in? in? No, let's go ahead and let's dig in. All right, let's jump in. Yes, let's go talk spoilers. <laughs> you want to come in all right so let's talk spoilers for signal from 2016 um what was basically your favorite part of the show it's quite um deep got a lot of stories in it a lot of subplots yeah what was your favorite subplot essentially so i know this is probably i don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing on the show but there wasn't a case that drew me in as much as the very first case. With the child kidnapping. With the child kidnapping. Okay. Because of the fact that it was a ticking time. Like, they, they were up against the clock. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that the show uh, clearly stated that there is a statute of limitations. Right. And when they finally figure out, wait a minute, we don't have the right person. And there's less than two days to figure it out. That to me was exciting. It was like hours. It was they had yeah. It it was like thirty six hours. Like yeah, that's where it started. Like the the clock started there. So to me that was exciting. I was like, you know that show twenty (laughs) four. Yeah, I remember twenty (laughs) four. Yeah, for sure. And that to me was exciting because I really liked the concept of we have to accomplish something and we have a clock to beat in order to do it. Mm -hmm. So. That to me was exciting. I love uh, them trying to figure out, you know, do we have the right person? Is, you know, oh, wait, it's a woman. And all these different things colliding. And what really sold me was that she had committed two crimes. We were so focused on the first one, which was the kidnapping. Right. Yeah. That there was a second crime that she killed someone, a witness. Yeah. She killed a she witness. She framed a dude and then. Yeah, yeah, she framed the dude and she killed, killed a witness. So they solved that case. But because of the statute of limitations, they missed out on the first one, which was the girl, the abduction. Yes, they couldn't book her for the abduction. Because they couldn't the book her for the abduction. Expired. But because of their right. digging, they were able to determine the time of death of the witness. Right. And the statute hadn't expired yet. What I really enjoyed about a lot of the cases is they were not afraid to show them fail. Right. Yeah. You know, it wasn't one of these things where they magically solved every single case that was presented to them. Mm -hmm. There are moments where they think they got it, but then at the last second, oh, no, we messed up something. And it was too late. There was a victim still of this crime. Right. You know? So that I appreciated about the show. Mm-hmm. So favorite parts, I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, I do, I I really enjoyed the mechanic of the only times they could communicate was at that specific time. 11.23 p.m. on God knows what time, what day. Exactly. It would, it would turn on. The walkie-talkie would, would allow them to communicate. It wasn't this magical thing of like, oh, we can communicate whenever. No. Like we have these brief moments where we can feed each other the most important 
significant information we can. Yeah. And then you got to do what you can with that information. Yeah. It's not enough even. Like no. most of the time, it's like, uh, I gave him a date, you know, like <laughs> right. she's going to die. I gave him on a place. August. Yeah, I gave him a place or, you know, so that I appreciated too, because, you know, then you have this weird MacGuffin in the story of, oh, I could just call up the, you know, Lee Jong. Hey, what happens in the future with this case? Right. You know? There's not Stuff like really that. a lot of um, cheating, essentially. Right. With, Within we the have mechanic and that the you don't, story. We'll just tell you whenever we find out. It's like. Right. No, it's very. No. You know, hodgepodge of times that they can communicate and for very short, like a couple of minutes or something. It's only a couple of minutes. Plus, on top of that. Uh, the first couple of times they speak to each other, it's them just trying to believe what they're doing. Like yeah. they're talking to someone in the past mm-hmm. and or, you know, in the case of uh, the cop from the past, um, <laughs> he's talking to someone in the future. Right. So those couple of times are like wasted opportunities to solve cases. And you know? Ijean, like they don't have it be one for one. Like every time I contact him, he's in 1999. Like, no. It's no. it could be any year. It could yeah. be any year. Yeah. That that and was another in interesting yeah. one. He's in the past somewhere. Yes. You know, at some point in so time. Quite like that. I mean, yeah. essentially Ijeon is going about his life carrying around this walkie-talkie that everyone thinks is for good luck. And he's just like, Well, I'm here. Like if he decides to contact me, if the connection, you know, picks up, I have it. But it could exactly. be years between them talking. Yeah, it, yeah. Which is crazy for him because it's not the same for uh, Park. Yes. <laughs> for him, like it's a matter instant. of, <laughs> not yeah, instant, it's a matter but of it's like, in the same you know, weeks. Yeah. Like it could be like every couple of weeks he gets it, you know, or even a few days. Yeah. But for uh, Lee, it's just arbitrary, <laughs> just who knows when. Yeah. That that I found fascinating. I did quite enjoy the Gyeonggi um, serial murders, which is the one where the bus driver's teenage son yes. was killing women on the bus. Women that he was seeing. on the bus. Um, I like that one because it had a lot to do with the father covering up for his son. Yes. And him, like this twisted mind of the father that he's like, no, he's paid for his crimes after breaking his legs and becoming a paraplegic, like this is enough. And <laughs> Ijeon is like, I'm sorry. Dude. Um, what? <laughs> no, he <laughs> killed like 10 no. women. Yeah. Um, some obscene number of women. And yeah. I like that, you know, in the future that he is bedridden, but you haven't seen yet that Ijeon finds him, knows who it is. And he falls off a building because he backed him off the building. Exactly. Because of Ijeon. So exactly. it's like, oh, my God, this was always meant to happen. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because in that very same case, um, when he tells Lee, hey, this is going to happen right next to a train station. Yeah. There's going to be a girl. But then when he goes to the board that has the murders, there's still the same number of murders because he ends up killing someone else instead. Yes. He never finishes that same, that job. So there is now a survivor, but somebody else dies. Somebody in the else vicinity. dies. Um, that one was particularly um, gut wrenching to me because um, Ijeon's first love, the love of his life, is yeah. also murdered during that. Yeah. 
So it's, Which sucks, and I dude. love that line that he says where he's like, to you, they're just photos. You just see the photos in the case and you don't, you don't know who they are. But I knew, I knew her, you know, she was somebody to me and he's very emotional. It's just too much. It's very good. Yeah. It's, it's very good. Yeah. Very, very um, good. I didn't particularly like the serial theft one where you um, think they thought it was the pro thief. It wasn't the pro right. thief. It was the tribal son. And he's doing it to try and find a rape tape that is being used as blackmail against him in one of his friends' houses. And all his friends are filthy rich. So he's hitting all of these rich houses trying to find this incriminating tape. Instead, just yeah. stealing because he's like, oh, I got to do something here. They got to think I st- took something. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that one was a case that I just kind of like just... Flew by. I didn't like that one. It had the whole thing of um, the guy that was framed was friends with Ejeon, and then his daughter dies in a fiery bus crash with a bridge collapse, and like yeah, the people who are responsible for the bridge collapse have this whole con- um, conspiracy going, and they're at fault for the br- somehow the bridge falling is their responsibility, their fault, and they got away with it. It's like very um, convoluted that that subplot was very convoluted to me yeah it's a little much yeah. because it doesn't I, I don't know maybe uh, maybe i'm wrong here but it doesn't feel like it ties in with what lee and park are trying to do um sure they're they're trying to stop like these you know these thefts but i mean that it's not as big as you know we're trying to stop a murder or we're trying to stop you know, this type of thing from happening or more importantly, the fact that Lee is going to die. Right. They're teasing and this throughout the whole show is that throughout somebody, the entire show. he is not living in 2015. He's gone missing. He's been framed for this terrible crime that he didn't commit. Um, and nobody knows where he is, what became of him. He's not a cop anymore. And so as an audience member, I assume that he died. Under right. very mysterious circumstances, probably somebody that we've seen throughout the show did it, is what exactly. I was thinking. And that's yeah. absolutely correct. Like, that's what happened. That is. Yeah. Um, you know, he poked around so much and was so tenacious and wouldn't let things go that he got killed because he was a pest to the people that were responsible for all of these crimes. He was too good at his job. Too good at, too good of a cop. Too good of a yes. cop. Yes. Um, I was really taken aback by the serial killer who targeted depressed women. <laughs> There's something about that yeah. MO that I was like, but Oof. I listen to sad songs and I don't like grocery shopping, so I can see myself living in Seoul and like going to bodegas at like midnight and getting my groceries. <laughs> like it was very yeah. much like, okay, it could be any <laughs> like it didn't matter how yeah. old they were. They just had to be depressed. That's depressed. I, I mean, I was like, but what? Like it was very <laughs> too much for me. But depression depression is not really something for the most part that is outward appearance based. Right. So yes. for you to like make that your MO, like I'm going to target depressed. Women. He had this whole abuse issue with his mom. Yeah. who was like, I'll help you. 
not feel upset anymore and would stuff him in a bag. So like that made him a serial killer, like whatever the fuck. Well, of course. But um, to me, the thing that didn't quite sit with me was that he was saying, oh, I'll help you. I'll get you through this. Essentially saying like, I'll take the pain away by killing you. Like I'll just make it stop. Yeah. Which depressed people don't usually commit suicide. It's like when they get on antidepressants that they get more energy, then they commit suicide because they're like, okay, I have more energy to commit suicide. And this is from the Psych 101 class that I took in like 2009. So, <laughs> 12 um, years ago. Yeah. But anyway, that's my understanding of depression that usually when you're in the throes of depression, you don't usually commit suicide. <laughs> it's when you're feeling a little better that you do. But so that didn't quite sit with me for that serial killer. The gang rape case. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, that was very maddening to me. That was probably the most maddening one. Because. Why? Because I the mean, guy essentially got away. Yeah. And they didn't, they weren't really able to have him like. And all the kids like in the gang rape case get what they deserve. You know what I'm saying? I know what you mean. Even when they start like messing around with it and poking it from the past and the present, it like didn't resolve in a very satisfactory way for me. But that that's the thing. Like some of these cases. And that's the thing about what they're trying to do. They're like banging their head against the wall and the wall is the systemic like, okay, well, the kid that was a ringleader. Right, the was kid that the was the nephew? ringleader was the nephew of a congressman. The congressman made the whole thing go away because he was up for re-election, couldn't afford to have his nephew be a gang rapist. So, no, of, um, course not. of course not. So it was this whole thing, and he essentially got away with it. I mean, they knew that he did it. They knew that he did it. The and victim they, in the was present was like, do. I'm sorry that your brother was framed for, and that I had a hand in it. I was young. I couldn't like defend myself. Essentially, they told me that my dad was a drunk and he was pressuring me to say all this stuff. And when they were like, OK, we'll make it right now, like even though the statute of limitations has expired, make a true statement. And she was like, no, I can't, because back then I was slut shamed so heavily that I can't stand to to have that happen again. I have a husband. I have a daughter now. Like I can't. I can't endanger my reputation now that I've essentially overcome it. Yeah. That was really powerful to me. Well, okay. So now that you're speaking about that, um, that kind of feels like, okay, uh, (laughs) this is an example of something that's happening in real life with a football player uh, currently. Uh, And if you're listening to this now, like, This could be old news at this point, but uh, there is a football player who is being accused of doing uh, sexually inappropriate things uh, at like massage and um, basically massage therapists who he hires, who he would hire. And so many different women have come up to, you know, to state that they have, mm-hmm. you know, been sexually assaulted by him or uh, some sexually advancements, some sexual advancements that were not warranted right. while he was hiring them to, you know, physical therapy, massage work, all that. Uh, 
So the thing is that the state that he's in and the lawyers that he has want to make this a non-confidential case. So that is actually frightening a lot of the women because they have to put their name and not because they don't want to, but because they know the repercussions of messing with someone with so much power, with so much influence. It's the same exact thing as the show. Exactly. So th- and the that's the that example I want to bring. about this in 2016, mm-hmm. covering this in 2016, I was just like, oh my God. It's so, it's and it's very still going on now. Still going on now. Still yeah. a problem now where you're victim shaming. Yeah. And women have such a hard time already just... Yes. <laughs> coming out with the fact that they've been assaulted in some way or they, you know, like you said, they get slut shamed, they get persecuted. People dig into their past like, you know, oh, well, look at what this person did, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that makes it all right to, you know, basically what happened to discount them. Discount their, their. Yeah. Discount story. their grief, their, their suffering because, oh, but look at what she did here. And, you know, you can use that same example for other types of things that happen where people will dig into another person's Mm -hmm. past and try to justify, well, if they wouldn't have done this, Mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe it wouldn't have happened or uh, so. Yeah, it it sucks to see such a real life example in the show, especially because you want justice for the character Young. You're like his freaking brother died and he was 110 percent innocent. Exactly. And he had evidence. Yes. He was in the process of getting evidence. There was evidence to to submit for his innocence and it still didn't pan out. So And it still didn't pan the out. The witness and knows what's the truth and she still won't come forward. And it's because of this system, this yeah. belief around that. And I'm sure that, you know, here in the States we're so vocal about it. We're more vocal about mental health. We're more um we're talking about victim shaming now. It's like got a name now. Yeah. But I'm sure that in Korea, it's a little different. <laughs> I can imagine that it and is. And yes. that the populace is way more conservative and is generally unwilling to, you know, think differently. Exactly. Yes. Um, so that's, it was really frustrating. That case was so frustrating. It was basically from episode, what, 13 onward. And I was it basically pretty much on the verge of tears or wanting to basically rip someone's heart out. It was, there was Oof. no in between. I was just either raging or so unbelievably sad at what was going on. Yeah, it was very, very tough because of the fact that innocent people died you know and and they couldn't nail they couldn't nail them down no they couldn't yeah and we do get at least a slight bit of catharsis in in the turn in this sense where uh lee goes to the family and is like look i'm sorry that your son died and Mm -hmm. i there's nothing that i can actually do i tried everything that i could and I couldn't stop what happened and I couldn't, you know, get him. But I have the evidence here. Like, this is all I have, but it's not enough. And I apologize for that, you know. Yeah. So switching gears, we haven't talked too much about Cha Soo-hyun, which is. Um, no, we haven't. The Sunbae for Pak Young. Sunbae yes. just meaning. Um, love interest? No. <laughs> Sunbae does not mean love interest. It means senior. 
So anyone Oh, that's why is, she kept calling him senior. Right. So uh, she called Ejan in the past, Sombe, because he was basically her superior. He'd been there longer, had seniority. And it's all it's all about hierarchy in Korea, really is, even their language. And so in the present day, Park Hye-young is calling her Sombe because she's the commander or whatever of their little cool right. group. So I like how she, they give a lot of... Um, a lot of juxtaposition for her because her past self is very shy, very much falling into gender, um, gender norms is relegated to a lot of the grunt work and, um, giving out coffee and stuff. And Ijeon is constantly like, you're a detective. Stop doing that stuff. Everyone can get their own coffee. Like you don't have to do this. You don't have to, um, do all of these like feminine duties that everyone else is responsible for. Were you not here? (laughs) So, um, I love that, that he's like really just single-handedly trying to bring down the patriarchy because he's so, she is so, um, uh, not, I don't want to say shy again, but she's not as fierce and commanding as she is in the present day. And so fearless, even in episode four, Park Young is like, you shouldn't have confronted a man alone because she gets assaulted when she goes to, um, visit a criminal and she says, I should quit my job if that mattered to me. Uh, oh, yeah. And I was like, damn, bitch, like, get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a weird connection between Pake Young and Chasu Young because you, I for a second thought that they were going to do a love line between them. And I was like, ooh, it's going to be a Nuna romance. Nuna meaning older woman, younger man. Right. But they didn't. There was no. like some little bit of questionable dialogue like... He gets really close to her face and it's like a woman's neck shouldn't look like this because she got assaulted again and she's got like marks on her neck and stuff. Um, and I thought, oh, God, if they do this Nuna romance, I don't know how I'm going to feel. <laughs> she's so in love with Ijeon in the past. Yeah, in the past. So she's still hung up over him looking for I, his body. <laughs> like, I really don't think they could have done it. I, no, I really don't. Have. Because I think it would have diminished the show. if they It would have. Because of the fact that then all of a sudden the show doesn't, the show gets away from them in terms of now it's no longer about the cases. Mm -hmm. Now it's about the weird love triangle that there is where there is the Cha who is the connecting tissue between the past and present. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she is balancing between the feelings of one man and another. And I think that would have been harmful for the show. I think so, too. So they didn't go that route, thankfully. Thank goodness. Yeah. It was really maddening how little evidence and how little photograph there was, proper documentation when they opened up these cold cases. It was like, did they even try in the past? No. It was like, no, nothing. This was an indictment on police. Yes. In a way. Because Mm. they, uh, I believe it's the, um, what is the, like, the the head guy of the police what was his name uh, um I'm was it the middleman or the guy who was the big bad essentially at the end pretty much who was the big bad essentially okay okay i'll get uh, his name yeah you you'll going. get it but basically he worked with lee jian back in the past and he rose up the ranks and okay, became so this like character's the commissioner name was Kim Kim there we go that that's who i'm talking about yeah and uh, he 
references it early on and like in the first couple of episodes that you know this is an embarrassment bringing up this cold case team because it is going to be an embarrassment on the police department for things that we couldn't do back in the day and so i don't our think incompetence that, i don't think that we have this concept here in the u.s where if a crime does not get solved, we're not like, wow, the police are so incompetent. They couldn't find the criminal. The, you know, we're not blaming the police for not catching a serial killer. You know what I'm saying? Right. In Korea, it seemed like they do. <laughs> they were yeah. like, wow. Um, that is your job. <laughs> that's all you have to do. Like that is, you know, you have one job and you didn't do it. And it is like, like you said, the whole show is basically an indictment of the police department. But especially within the show itself, the cops don't want to look bad. Just like how Disney will never redo the Star Wars trilogy um, because it would make them look bad. It would make them look bad. They would, it would have to make- admit that they did something wrong. Exactly. And you, if you're in their shoes, you would never want to admit that you did something wrong, especially when your job is to to take the quote to protect and serve, you know? So right. to admit that you're doing something wrong would mean that you're incompetent at your job or there's a breakdown in the actual system of police, of the police force. The fact that, like you said, like the evidence sucks. Like what, <laughs> what they were going off of was They were like, find nothing. the detective that worked on it and see what he says now, like what he remembers. And I'm like, what? 30 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, good luck. Yeah. Believe me. So, yeah, I I did appreciate that this was like a commentary on on police work and, you know, doing your but due diligence. But at the same time, the main three are amazing. Yes. You know, that's the cop that you want on your case. They're the examples of what you want in a cop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never give up. Detail oriented. Will stop at nothing to make sure that the case is actually solved. So they have compassion. Kudos. For the victims and the families and everything. And they're not condescending toward (laughs) witnesses and other people. So it is um, that juxtaposition is huge in the show. Right. Uh, I wanted to ask you, because I have some thoughts on maybe one or two characters, but what were your thoughts on the acting between the characters? Good. I mean, I think that if someone came at this show and was like, raw, never seen a K-drama, and then they come in, they'll be like, wow, everyone is talking kind of um, too intensely mm-hmm. <laughs> is maybe the word for it. Yeah. And you're just like. He said, no. And like very like poignant pauses and things like that. But I know what you it's mean. Par, for, par for the course for a yeah, K-drama. You could say the same thing. Yeah, you could say the same thing about even American shows. Like if you look at those police procedurals, mm-hmm. maybe not your like main star of the show, but like the supporting characters, there's always like people that are acting a little too much, you know, like. I'm the badass cop, so I'm always going to be, you know, in your face, I'm, uh, you know, like that. So mm-hmm. so I don't I don't fault it there. But I will say this. Um, speaking of side characters, there was someone on the cold case team. He was kind of like the lazy cop who you could tell he, he could didn't find really anybody. His specialty was um, digging up people, finding where they are, like yeah. locating people, exactly. finding their trail and all that stuff. 
I think yes. I I found him a tad bit grating at times because like he was he was definitely an impediment to to them at times because of how incompetent he wow. seemed, you know. And also, like, he would just be, like, really annoying. Oh, do we have to? Like, oh, you know, all this type of stuff. Uh, so okay. as a character, that was annoying. Maybe not the acting. If that that's the way they were going, it works. It's just that the character was annoying. So but- I'm going to pause you there because that man, his name is Kim Won- Kim Won-hae. He is very well known. <laughs> I've seen him in so many dramas. He's all over TV and all over movies. Um He's basically like a that guy of K-drama. One of, uh, you know, there's many. But this one yeah. is definitely a that guy of K-drama. He's in so many. Um, he's in Tomorrow With You as a cameo, which is, you know, the other show that I was talking about. He's in Huarang. Um, He's <laughs> Modern Farmer, Reply 1994. Strong Woman Dobong Soon, which is, I think, a really big um, role for him. He plays basically a very flamboyant night. I think he may be gay mm. in that show. And so I feel like he's almost like a Gary Oldman type where he can just do oh, anything. <laughs> like older gold, uh, older Oldman, or I'm sorry, in the past Oldman <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Not older, but like okay. back in the day uh-huh. where he could be like a chameleon almost. Like he can like. He's a, a chameleon. I've seen him do so much and I'm like, wow, what can't he do? So I didn't have any issues with him <laughs> in Signal. Um, Fair enough. I think maybe they could have given him more to do in Signal. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Nay, no problem. Uh, so now, uh, so outside of them, I think acting wise, everybody brought their A game. I thought it was very good throughout. Uh, I already talked about how I felt about the chemistry between our leads. I think that they made the smart choice in not having a romantic link between Park and Joe. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm glad that they didn't do that because there, it was yeah. not necessary. Mm. Uh, I do enjoy Lee in the past. Again, I already spoke about the fact that I didn't buy the love interest the way they were setting it up between Lee and Cho. It wasn't a full blown love. No, it wasn't a full blown love. It but was a one sided love and yes. he was basically on the verge of catching feelings for her and exactly. understood finally because he's so thick-headed understood that she had feelings for him and they might have had a future together had he not disappeared <laughs> um or been murdered more like so i like that it was like unresolved you know what i'm saying it was like a loose end as far as their relationship goes yeah, exactly. So I appreciated that. It wasn't like, oh my God, they missed out on all these years together. They would have gotten married. It's like, no, maybe, I don't no, know if they would have gotten not. married. Maybe but not. It was definitely something that I believe she would have definitely held on to. You know what I'm saying? It was such a, like, there was no closure between them. Right. 100%. No closure. No closure because he disappears. Yeah. He just, so, she doesn't know what happens to him. I think this is a good time to talk about the end then. Of this Let's show. talk about the end. So, break it down. Case, lead us into it. Um. So the case that they're working on is the case where Park Young's brother dies. So that gang rape case um, turns into basically is a thorn in all of their sides, and Ejeon does end up 
working on the case when everyone else stops. He doesn't give up and he sends the red scarf that he manages to get a hold of Mm -hmm. to the U.S. to get analyzed (laughs) Um, because even the forensic service in Korea is is corrupted. Yeah, there was no way that he was ever going to get anything back and it was going to be clean. It was just always a losing battle in Korea. So he manages to get evidence of the corruption of the commander and the Chaibol son who did actually the started the gang rape. And it ends up being that his brother, Pak Young's brother is murdered. And it all comes to a head when Ijeon figures out who is involved. The evidence is very clear and he gets murdered for it. By the police. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jung Hae, oh, sorry, An Chisu, which is basically the middleman, like the commander who has like a very big attitude. Yes. <laughs> with everybody. Very big attitude with everyone. Yes. And um, Kim Bom Ju, they team up and they kill him. Except I like how the transmission, all that changed. Between the initial transmission of them saying, of him saying, don't go to Sonil Hospital. It ends up being that Cha does it. Cha yes. Sikyon gives that same, she's like, please don't go to Sonil Hospital. And it changes the entire future because of who said the message. Right, exactly. And yes. And then E.J. on um, basically made better preparations and had his injured team ambush the perps. So he lives instead, which is great <laughs> because the whole, the whole show, we thought he was going to die. Um, Pak Young's family is completely reunited and made whole, except for his brother, who d- indeed was <laughs> murdered. Right. And um, I like that they use the red scarf. The red scarf to me was very symbolic. In Asian culture, there's this um, mythology surrounding like the red string of fate. And so the red scarf to me represented red string of fate, mm. oh, even I though see. usually it's done in a context of like romance. Okay. But in, but this, in this case, case, I was like, oh, I feel like the red scarf is having to do with the fate of all of these characters. And this family, the Pak family, has to do with this evidence, this incredibly incriminating evidence that like would get everyone all at once. Um. Yeah, it was good. At the end of the day, he lives, Ijeon lives into the present day 2015 and they go try and find him in this like seaside town. Yeah. And they get this message not to go see him. Like a te- somebody sends a text to them and it says like, don't go here and it's the name of the hospital or whatever. And they're like, okay, it could be a trap or it could be legit. Like, do not go. Just like how we said, don't go to Sonil Hospital. We told Ijeon not to go here and we meant it. They go anyway. And it is like a bit of a dot, dot, dot at the end because they figure if we do not have in the course of this whole future, our whole future changing and we don't have the walkie talkie anymore, then maybe somebody else has the walkie talkie. In the future or in right. the past. And this whole thing could be 
still going. Like we could still be on the move trying to change something. And so they're like, it could be we get there and there's more. Yeah. (laughs) And their whole thing, like the voiceover is basically saying, don't give up. It will work out eventually if you don't give up. If you don't give up, there's hope. So all of this is being played as a voiceover as they're going to the last note that was left by Lee. Mm -hmm. Apparently, they know exactly where he could be. Or possibly will be. And the show does actually show him in that place. He's there. And even just before that moment, we get the whole reveal of, you know, they were able to expose this company for the corruption that they did with that floppy disk with the information. Yes. They were able to use it and expose the company for that. And the big boss from that company or the congressman, whatever he is from that company is like, find this man, you know? Right. Here's the thing. The show clearly sets up. This felt like the end of a season of an American show where they are teasing you of what direction the show is going to go in season two. It clearly felt that way. (laughs) Because the congressman is, They've shown they showed him a couple times super menacing. You can tell that he is the root of a lot of the issues within the police department and in all of these crimes that somehow lead back to his family or him. Right, exactly. So the fact that it kind of feels like they set up the big bad for a second season and then see what you're saying doesn't go anywhere. And plus, we don't get the resolution of what happens at the hospital because we do show the cars pull up and it looks like something bad's going to happen but we don't get the payoff of seeing what happened also Mm -hmm. which is again another tease type of thing that american shows will do they'll they'll leave you with that moment of oh shit things are about to get really bad and come back next season to see what happens (laughs) so yeah Uh, so so i don't feel like it's necessary and when i was watching it i was like no 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 no! i want to see what happens like tell me i think it's supposed to end like with a definitive ending like they are get reunited cha Hyun and ej on like end up together parking Young like meets this man who they've had this huge history together and so- saved lives and changed the future and you know he never re- you never see the meet and all this stuff yeah so at the end of the day, there, there's a lot of shows, a lot of K-dramas that do this thing where they're like, dot, dot, dot. It could yeah, be this. It I'm... feels optimistic or it feels pessimistic, but there's no clear resolution. Even um, uh, Parasite is like that. The movie Parasite from Bong yeah. Joon-ho is very similar where you're like, okay, but did they actually meet the dad? Like, did it happen for them? This is the same thing. Like, did they actually meet EJ on? Was it resolved? Did they have to keep going? Was this like more, um, more fantastical stuff dealing with the time, you know, the connection between the past and the future? Is it still there? Exactly. Or was it broken? Because now nobody has the second walkie talkie. Nobody so has the second walkie talkie. It, it's, and- it's unclear. I think you're supposed to just make up your own come to your own conclusions as an audience member 
And for me, it's fine the way it is. It's not the best, but it's fine. No. And that to me is is the the issue for me. Is okay. and well, I have two issues that <laughs> mainly concern with the show. Number one, the ending, because we don't get a absolutely definitive ending. You know, we get like hopeful ending. Like it's a we hopeful can imagine. Ending. We can they imagine what's said, gonna happen. If you keep going. Right. If you don't give up, there's hope. That's yes. all you need. They're just, it's very, um, they gave you uh, a platitude almost. Yes. It's like, here's your lesson. Keep going. Don't give up. You know, cases go cold when you give up, when someone gives up. Right. So in your own life, don't give up. It's very like. (laughs) And then number two, I still cannot get used to the run times of this of these this episodes was a little, okay the episodes were a little long they were they, they were, were over, over an hour, hour. Yeah. clearly over an hour especially towards the back half of the season yeah we're like doing 110 115 an hour 15 like we're doing stuff and it kind of it, it it you feel it i felt it at it. the hour mark like for me once it hits an hour i'm like okay i've been here a really long time like how much is left and i'll pause it and it'll be like 10 15 minutes left so for me, the hour mark is when I'm like starting to feel the exhaustion of the episode. But for you, I think last episode when we were talking about Descendants of the Sun, you were mm-hmm. like, at 45 minutes, I'm looking at my watch. Like, yeah. when is this going to end? <laughs> the thing is that I'm so used to the way American television is and on streaming services, because uh, if you watch a regular one hour, I put that in quotes, one hour show here in America there are about 15 to 16 minutes of ads throughout the show. So it breaks it up to, in reality, the show is 44 minutes long Mm -hmm. uh, each episode. So when you're giving me a show that is half an hour longer Mm -hmm. on top of that with no ads or anything, I mean, it's good, but at the same time, it it starts feeling like a lot to get through in that amount of time. So th- that would be my only concern and my and my issue with it. That's all. Mm-hmm. So, um, fuck Subway because Subway also featured heavily in the show. I don't understand. Yeah, it did. <laughs> that product placement is horrendous. <laughs> I will call out Subway in every show that they decide to throw money at, and they feature Subway. Like <laughs> Park Young goes to Chasu Young's house. And she's like making him do like all of these chores around the house. And then as a reward, she gives him a Subway sandwich, feeds him this Subway sandwich. And I'm like, no, baby, no. Get it away. It's very frustrating to me. It is. That is is pretty frustrating. frustrating. Um, I think the show Chuck had an entire thing where like – there was a subway in their like headquarters or something like that. And so right. they made fun of it throughout the show. Oh, but, that's better. That's better. But like it's clearly visible, like giant like subway, but <laughs> they're like making fun of it. Um I love when a show I look it sucks the product placement sometimes mm-hmm. because it's so over the top. Yes. But I love when a show gets a chance to make fun fun of it pretty much right uh like one of my favorite ones is uh the show 30 rock uh with tina fey uh so they're talking about uh 
Verizon, right? <laughs> and so, you know, they're talking about it. It's like, well, it could be possible that Verizon buys NBC. Oh, Verizon, the ones with the great phones and the contract, whatever. Yeah, and they have 4G network. This was old. 4G network all across the country. You can't really lose signal anywhere Stop. you go. And then Tina's like, yeah, Verizon's great. Looks dead at camera. Can we have our money now, please? Uh, it it is so great how they like how just I play feel. with it. Is that it? Yeah. It's... Basically, that's how it feels, but without that part at the end of... Without the wing to the camera. Without the wing to the camera. So, yeah. So those are my only complaints about the show. I really enjoy the show. Uh, I think you had one more question for me, which was the OST, the original soundtrack. I liked it. I liked it too. That I, was a very good soundtrack. Yeah, I love the because they have two. They have a couple of different uh, motifs. So yeah. like if there's a chase or some action, you know, like there's one motif, but I really like the motif when, you know, there's like some kind of melancholy moment happening. Yes. It, heartbreaking. Yeah. It's a heartbreaking and it's really well done and it really engages you in the moment as well. Mm-hmm. So 100%. I thought it was very good. So yeah, this is a really good show. Yeah. Very good. So <laughs> that, I, I got to give it props. Nice. I'm so excited that you liked it. This is a good one. Really yes. good one. Yes, you even it had was. your boy, Batman, from 1989. <laughs> <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> they blurred it out because They blurred it out every time because of copyright. <laughs> oh, but my God. George it, uh, Clooney, Batman. Stop. That was George Clooney, Batman. <laughs> it was George Clooney, not even... Okay, wow. Um, yeah, it was It was Batman and Robin, nipples on the bad suit, Batman. Oh. Yeah. It, it, All right. <laughs> I could well, tell. Well, on that, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to add? No. Uh, or anything that you didn't understand about the show at all? Luckily for this one, it felt it felt more along the lines of what I'm used to seeing, like an American-style show, like right. a procedural and everything. So okay. nothing really lost me here in terms okay. of... So the other shows I've had issues maybe understanding the mechanics between, you know, different class systems... In you know between characters or just understanding how things operate, but not in this one. This one felt kind of the most straightforward with Western sensibilities. Yes, there was a couple moments where I was like, "Oh, okay, that might fly over someone's head," but they almost explained it with context clues. So yeah, like another team shows up to the cold case um, crime scene. Yes, and they're talking down to the crimes, the cold case team. Yeah. Um, and the guy that you didn't like. <laughs> and that's very disrespectful to do that. And so they're like, well, you're ranked lower than me, so I can do that. Right. And our boy says, okay, well, I'm a lieutenant. So are you going to talk to me like that and like cause them on their shit? Yes. Because they do have to show respect to him and talk in a more in a more respectful t- um, uh, way. Yes. You know? Uh, so I it, like that. It kind of reminds me of when in, in like an American police show, there's a certain team working on a case and then like, no, we're we're bringing in the detectives and like exactly they take over, is. you yes. know, and they always talk down to to them like, hey, we got it from here. Like right. that type of thing. So but in Korea, in the Korean show, in this show, it was done with grammar as well. Like, yes. the impoliteness of the it impoliteness well. of it got it yeah mm-hmm. so yeah 
pretty good. good show overall. Yeah. Um, oh, um, she makes chocolate for him at one point. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So the chocolate thing, I'll explain it really fast. Okay. So Valentine's Day in Korea is basically a lot of women giving chocolate to their significant others and crushes and confessing their love okay. for um, their their um, lover or person. That so they have the women with. are given the chocolate. Women are giving chocolate. Exactly. Like Sadie Hawkins a little bit. Okay. Um, and actually, Boys Over Flowers, Jandi does this as well. She makes him sweets. Junpyu. Do you remember that part? Yes. It like looks like him, like she made it look like him. Yeah, so. she made it look like him. But anyway, like that's the tradition over there. But there is a val- um, basically the true Valentine's Day, which is like White Day. Okay. And that's when it's reversed. Oh, Not okay. that they just make chocolate. Oh, no, like- no, no. I've seen, uh, I think my brother showed me something like this, White Day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. basically Valentine's Day where the males take more initiative and they do their thing. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. All there is to it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was a very straightforward show as far as like cultural um, touch points and stuff. Right. But gotcha. Yeah. Anyway. makes makes complete sense it's a to good me. one we got more coming guys we have a full schedule we have to start watching <laughs> the next show on our list um so i think that's it you got anything else rico no that is all if you really enjoyed the show make sure to let us know on social media on twitter and instagram at atc uh pod so <laughs> once again that's at atc pod on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know if you enjoyed the show, if you had any quibbles with it, or if you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Yes. And please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can rate and subscribe because that helps us out and other people who are listening to us because they love (laughs) K-dramas. Anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for listening and for stopping by. That has been our show. I'm Jessica. And I'm Rico. And this has been the ATC Presents Daybok K Rambles podcast. Oh, 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 oh,